That's what it sounded like at the Belle Neige Ski Resort in the Laurentian Mountains north of Montreal as work crews helped a helicopter install the resort's new quadrupled chairlift. Each bench on the sleek new lift can seat four people. Belle Neige is marking a milestone this Saturday. It's the official inauguration of the new lift to be named Le Fenster to honor the late Saul Fenster and his older brother Henry, two Polish-Jewish Holocaust survivors who built the ski resort over 60 years ago. Now, while most Jewish immigrants arrived at that time with empty pockets and went into the clothing trade or manufacturing, the world of ski resorts and mountain chalets probably seemed out of their league. But here's how it happened. Saul Fenster was the youngest in the family of 10 kids. Henry was six years older. They lost both their parents and three siblings in the Holocaust. Remarkably, seven of them survived. After Saul was liberated in 1945 at the age of 16, he was sent to Switzerland to recover from tuberculosis, and that's where he fell in love with skiing. When he came to Montreal, Saul and his surviving brothers went into the purse-making business. They even made purses for the wives of the Apollo 11 astronauts who first landed on the moon in 1969. But that's a whole other story. Meanwhile, Saul's dream was to build a ski hill for Canadian families. In 1963, he and Henry turned the swampy plot of land in Valmorin that had cost them $53,000 into Belle Neige. It was just a place where people went to be happy. And, it, you know, it was my father's field of dreams. He, he envisioned it. He built it. It was a, a swamp with a, with a forested mountain. And he carved out of that really a field of dreams. You know, that's, that's the best way I could say it. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, February the 22nd, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia and coming to you from Delray Beach, Florida. Belle Neige is one of the smaller ski resorts in the Laurentians, but it always has snow, and even Nancy Green Rain once trained there. Now it has 20 trails, a well-known beginner ski school, and summer movies and mountain bike trails. While none of the senior founders still run the ski hill business, as both Saul and Henry have passed away, the family does keep a small stake in it. It's now operated by a French-Canadian management team who remember Saul Fenster well as he was a jovial presence at the Hill well into his old age. The general manager, Nicolas Vallier, joins me from Belneige along with Saul's sons, Ailey Fenster from Montreal and his brother, Mark Fenster, on the line from Vancouver. I guess we should start with you, Nicola, because you're the closest to the sort of the technical stuff about dates and construction. So why don't you give us the latest on the actual, you know, project and where it's at. Yeah, uh, it's a double mire uh, chairlift. It's a new quad. Uh, we replace uh, the old double for a new quad. We'll uh, be able to raise up uh, 2,400 person uh, by hour. So we double up uh, the, the capacity of uh, lifting uh, at the mountain. Uh, it's a project uh, that costs uh, more than uh, four millions. So um, it's our project. <laughs> Mark, you're clapping and smiling. How are you feeling when you hear that? Uh, I'm amazed. I'm so, so very grateful to uh, to Nicolas, the whole Valier family, everybody at Belneige for doing this. This is such an unbelievably beautiful honor. Can't wait to get there. I'd like to bring the brothers in. How did you, how did this all happen? How did it even start? 
You know, I honestly, I don't know how it all happened. I, I just know that when I, when I found out that the, uh, that the new chair would be, would be, uh, named after my father. And I actually think we, we found out only a few days after my father passed away. Um, so all I know is, is I suppose it was a little bit overwhelming because Belneige is such a big part of our family. It's, uh, you know, I, I guess the best way to put it is that, you know, I've lived in a lot of homes in my life and for those people lucky enough to go back to their home that they grew up in their childhood home and go into every corner, every room and just be flooded with memories and, you know, to bring you back to, to your, to your earlier days. Uh, Belneige is very much like that for my family, you know, every run, every corner, uh, every, every tree is filled with memories for us. So it really is our home. And obviously when, when we lost our father, it was a difficult time and to be so quickly, uh, to receive such an honor from from the ski hill from the administration was was really beyond words. It was really beautiful, and it's it's it really it's an it's an emotional thing for us. It it really is, and uh, I, I'm just so appreciative. It really it means a great deal. It's very symbolic, and you know, in in the ways that my father always brought so much happiness uh, to the hill and. Belneige, I mean, I've skied in a lot of places in my life. I don't think I've ever seen a ski hill as happy a place as Belneige is. Even though it's my home, it feels like it's everybody's home. And I, I don't know. It's just, it means a lot to us. It means a lot to me. Mark, do you want to jump in? I just remember being completely... Um... Uh, Nicola told me on a, on a trip that that we made to Montreal and uh, went up to Belneige to visit. And uh, when he mentioned it, I was just blown away. Um, it's such a wonderful honor. This is just more, I mean, you know, my dad and my uncle came to Canada after the war and um, fell in love with skiing when they were in Davos, Switzerland, uh, after they were, uh, after they were um, uh, released from from camps and um they they made a dream come true and to see that dream not only be there for my dad and our family but the many families many many families that it's touched and so warmly and now for for everyone for the new owners of Belneige to be doing this is um it's just wonderful it's really wonderful. The thing is, Nicola, you never met the Fenster brothers, did you not? You you came along later, right? No, no. Uh, I've I've been working for Seoul a few years. Uh, I'm working at the station since uh, 15 years now. So uh, uh, he was uh, an owner, uh, an owner uh, uh, when I was there for the, the first years. And uh, we could uh, the, meet the family and see the, the the spirit of the place and uh, what was your first job when you started working there now you're the director general but when you started when you met them i uh, was the the director of the restoration and the bars uh, so uh, i was doing the food and uh, <laughs> managing the kitchen good job <laughs> but i have to say nicola was a genius a master chef at soups and my father used to talk all day long about you know, every ski run he would do, he would always count the minutes till it was what he would call zoop time because he couldn't pronounce it properly. And he would just rush in and, you know, he, he just loved Nicola's soup. So I had to say that. <laughs> now we're talking about your parents and 
the whole uh, post-war legacy when the Jewish survivors of the Holocaust came to Canada. There was about most of them went into the clothing business factories. Not everybody would understand that a Jewish brothers founded a major ski hill in Canada. And it wasn't a friendly place in Canada to start in that business. It's kind of very unusual. So what made them decide they could actually do this? They even went themselves into a different business, did they not, when they came? Yeah, after... Uh, after um... <clears throat> When they were brought out of uh, Buchenwald, uh, liberated from Buchenwald uh, by the Americans, um, they were brought to Davos, Switzerland, where uh, my dad was brought to a um, uh, sanatorium. A sanatorium, thank you, where he was cured of tuberculosis. Uh, both Saul and Henry uh, went to, uh, they worked at a leather goods company at a, a leather handbag manufacturing company and they learned that skill and in Davos uh, it's one of the best places in the world to ski and they learned to ski they fell in love with skiing so they uh, once they were done in Switzerland they were able to they came over to Montreal they found a little business called Mastercraft leather goods which they bought for eleven hundred dollars um, they, the Mastercraft leather goods at the time was making watch straps and pen sheaths and, and uh, pen holders and knife sheaths, that sort of thing. And, uh, they turned it into the largest Canadian manufacturer of handbags. Um, very successful. And with that success, they fulfilled a, a dream, which was they took a drive to the Montreal Laurentians or the Quebec Laurentians, saw this little hill and said, yeah, we'll take that one. And they got some investment together and managed to open up this little ski resort that, uh, the little ski resort that could. <laughs> so, <laughs> Biggest little hill on earth. Was it already in operation at the time or they, no. they, they started from like a bare hill? They started with a bare hill, a natural hill. They, they went, they went to all the, through all the, the, uh, process of, of designing it doing whatever they needed to do the landscaping putting up the uh at the time it was just a, a double t-bar and uh and just it grew from there and yeah as ailey said it was like every weekend we were there every weekend that was that was our home away from home so i see that mark you're wearing our audience what can't see but mark is wearing a ski patrol sweater on on the zoom and so you this is in your blood but then you made it into your hobbies and your life your passion as well right Skiing has always been a big part of my life. My dad uh, put me on skis when I was two and a half and uh, skiing every weekend throughout my life. And then uh, moving out to Vancouver, you know, some beautiful mountains out here. And uh, uh, I heard about uh, a possibility of joining the Canadian Ski Patrol. And I remember just loving them at Belnez, just such great people. And uh, and I went ahead and did the training and now i'm in my fourth year patrolling for the ski patrol and it's it's amazing all right now i have to ask guys your mother's still alive um yes. what does this mean to her a lot how could i put it into words she's so excited um you know she had a fall recently where she she hasn't been able to walk for for a couple of months and all she keeps wanting to do is go up to Belnej, visit the mountain and now that the ceremony uh, for the new for the new chairlift is coming up, she talks about it so often. It, it's 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 really it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. I grew up in Montreal, and we always went up north every Sunday. I used to teach skiing at Mont Gabriel. But to be honest, Belle Neige was considered the easy baby hill, right? 
no offense, compared to like Montremblant or right? No. No? I don't want to insult. You're going to hang up on me. But. No, there, there's some there's some black diamond runs. Yeah, there's no insult there. I actually, I mean, you know, Belneige is what I think 550 vertical feet. Um, there are bigger <laughs> mountains, but the truth is, I've skied in a lot of. I mean, especially in the Laurentians, and when it comes to the way Belneige is, for, you know, from facing to the south, it's located in a valley which cuts down on the winds. And the shape of the runs themselves. And I mean, it, it really is an amazing hill that, yes, it's true. It's probably one of the greatest hills to learn skiing on. But once you learn to ski, there's a lot of runs that you could kind of cut your teeth on. And uh, I mean, oh, the, the Olympic skier that dad used to be friends with and she skied at Belneige. Nancy Green. Nancy Green, thank you. There's a run even named after her at Belneige, and she skied at Belneige. And we used to have the Shell Cup for many years, which was a very advanced competition. And uh, so, is you know, it it really is. I mean, it, it's it's not the tallest mountain in the world, but it really is the best mountain in the world. And even if you're an expert skier, it there's there's a lot to satisfy you there. That's for sure. Did they encounter anti-Semitism at all to try to do this? He never, uh, they never spoke about that. Uh, we found the community to be very welcoming and uh, it was very, it was quite a diverse crowd. Um, you know, of course, a lot of, uh, a lot of French Canadians, a lot of English Canadians, uh, you know, people from, you know, it was a time where there was a lot of movement around the world. So it, whoever came to ski, it was really about family. It was about family and community. Till today, it's the same thing. We have Chinese group. We have all kind of people who are coming f uh, to ski at Belnage, and they are loving the mountain. They are uh, bringing back their child or grandchild. Uh, it's, it's it's the the dynamic at the at the station. You know what? Obviously, anti-Semitism existed in Canada, as you know, after the war and so on. I know my father experienced more anti-Semitism in. Uh, Switzerland when he was trying to work uh, initially because wherever he would work, they would forbid him to live. Wherever he would live, they would forbid him to work and they kept switching back and forth. So I know he had a lot of difficulties in that. Uh, but in the end, you know, he learned his craft with leather. He taught himself business, went to school at night. And in between all of that, taught himself to ski and advanced. So I think when he came to Canada... Um, and at least the way I was growing up, there was always a big Jewish community at Belneige because of the, you know, the founders being Jewish, I suppose. And more than that, the French community and the local community was always extremely, extremely close. So I imagine through skiing, it was all a close knit family, my family, as well as the family of the ski hill. And I think that exists today. You know, that's that's one of the things I truly love about Belneige is when they say it's a family hill, it's because it'll it it applies to every member in the family, from the youngest to the to the you know the 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 most inexperienced skier to the oldest and the most advanced. Okay, why did they call it Belneige and not Fensterville or something? <laughs> Beautiful snow, exactly because that's what it was. <laughs> like Ellie told earliest, uh, the 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 position of the mountain with they are at the bottom of a. Uh, 
valley and it, it give a, a special uh, meteo uh, at the mountain so even if it's raining five minutes ago uh, at saint adele it's gonna snow at belneige so uh, the, the 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 station uh, wears well uh, the name they used to call it i uh, i don't know when they stopped but it was always la station en soleil So the sunny station, you know, it, we used to joke and especially being a pilot when my father used to try to explain to me how the sun is eating its way through the clouds, I would try to explain to him, it's not really how it works. And yet 99% of the time when I go to Belneige to ski, it could be the worst weather in the world. And somehow the sun will always manage to creep out. And it, it astounds me. I don't get it, meteorologically speaking, but my father was right. It really is. So how is the one last thing because of like climate change and whatever you were mentioning that it, you always have sun. But in the last few years, you know, we've had trouble with the weather and people, the ski hills are worried about not having snow and, and warming climate. How is that impacting what's happening at, at Belneige in the last few years? We didn't see much difference for real. Um, we 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 took action for the next years. Uh, to uh, we had improved our snowmaking system, but really, it we are almost finishing the snowmaking at the same time every year. So even if it's colder or warmer, it, we will always have a not steady weather so uh, even if we are able to to do some snow uh, e earlier in the the the, the falls like october or november we will have a, a warm period after so every year we are stopping around the same date so for the moment we didn't see much uh, impact but we did some action to be ready for the future uh, just to be able to 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 uh, make the snow uh, Uh, and open the, the, the mountain maybe a few weeks uh, earlier and finish a few weeks later. All right. Is there anything you want our listeners to understand before we say goodbye that we haven't talked about? You know, to build uh, uh, La Station en Soleil and, and have it be successful all those years, that took a lot of work. And there were a lot of people. I watched the team. I watched my dad, my uncle, other people work together. And then since uh, since that time, over the last bunch of years, uh, Nicola and his team, uh, the amount of work that they're putting in to keep this not only going, but growing with some wonderful ideas like a cinepark in, in the summer and some other other things that they're doing, the the uh, the bike, uh, the bike trails. It's just it's really brilliant, Nicola. I'm so impressed, so proud, so happy to see that, you know, the dream keeps growing and more and more people are getting to enjoy it and you look great and i can't wait to see you on the hill <laughs> boy last word you know i love the symbolism uh in in them honoring my father naming a chairlift after him in in a lot of ways you know my father was always recognized not for his successes in business but for the person that he was the way he made people feel uh the generosity it was always you know when you skied with my father at belneige the the public address system was always calling him into the office because somebody was showing up and asking for a ticket. And, you know, it made my father the happiest guy in the world to do it. And, you know, for me, selfishly speaking, if the, the true legacy that my father left me is that, you know, like last weekend I was skiing with my son and we're going down the hill. It was a beautiful day. And, you know, I just stopped for a second and 
kind of took a snapshot of my mind. And that that's the true legacy that my father left me is to be able to do that with my son. And it's really such a, it's such a beautiful place and it's a beautiful thing to do. And I'm so thankful to be able to share that with my family and the extended family at Belneige. It's, it, it means the world to me. The organizers at Belneige couldn't have known it when they picked the date for the ceremony, but Saturday night is also the first anniversary of Saul Fenster's death a year ago this week, according to the Jewish calendar. So the ceremony will mean even more to his family. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to John Glixman. He suggested that people should stop donating to the U of T Medical School over the anti-Semitism reported by the faculty. If you ever skied at Belneige or you knew the Fensters, why not write to me with your memories? I'm at ebessner at thecjn.ca. And we'll end with a little audio of Saul Fenster. Here he is talking to the Steven Spielberg Shoah Foundation back in the 1990s about building Belneige. Yes, we also have uh, a ski resort that we developed in 1961, opened the beginning of 1962. It's still in existence. The name is Belneige. It is one hour out of Montreal. And in fact, it is the only ski hill that still has the original owners. Every other ski hill, of which there are 18, every one of them either changed hands many times or went bankrupt a number of times. What are your hobbies? Skiing and tennis. And reading, naturally. I still have a great thirst for knowledge. (laughs) 